How we doing? Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? How many people burned the turkey? How many people? The dressing was dry? Nobody? Good. My mom says that every year. It's like, no matter how good it is, it wasn't good enough. But I'm praying it was, a, it was a blessed time for you. Hey, that song is awesome, isn't it? Um, we're we're going to get all over that thing this month, okay? And um, It's going to be our theme. Um, and it speaks to our condition before Jesus and after Jesus, okay? And, and just, I mean, if you're taking some notes, write this stuff down, okay? Because you're going to hear this over and over this month. But before he came to us, this is who we were in darkness. Um, in despair, defeated, fearful, doubtful, in sorrow, in shame, distress, disgrace. Some of you might feel those things today. Um, When Jesus came, he defeated all of those things. But here is the thing, people. You can still choose to live in those things if you choose to. You can still wear those chains of shame and guilt, distress, fear, doubt, sorrow, disgrace. It's still your choice. He came to get rid of all that. That's why we celebrate Him. But now that He's here with us, there's hope called. Fear is hiding. Death is conquered. Life is abundant. We have freedom. We have victory. Joy is rising. Chains are falling. Walls shaking. Doubt running. I stand undefeated when Jesus is near. And so do you. Shame disappears. And my God is on His way. See, He came once as a baby. He's coming again, not as a baby. And that's why we celebrate. See, our text this morning, if you have your Bible, is in Jude. It's the second to the last book of the Bible. It's just one chapter. And uh, I'm not going to preach the whole thing, but we're going we're to go through quite a bit of it, okay? Are we ready? Um, when Brock and I talked about this series, we kind of talked about um, the normal themes of Advent are joy, peace, love, and hope. And we kind of talked about kind of going through each of those and kind of talking about the opposite of those on a kind of a personal level. And before we even start the series, I've already gone off the tracks. That's not what I'm going to do. Um, we're going to look at the book of Jude, and I'm going to ask you to look outside yourself. See, Doubt and hope is what I want to talk about today, okay? But what I, I want to talk about it from a, another person's perspective. You looking at someone around you, finding someone around you that you need to be salt and light to. And we're going to use the book of Jude to uh, get some context for that, okay? Are we ready? Okay, let me give you some context of the book of Jude. It's only 25 verses long. The whole book. Um, 
there's a bug. I just attract them. I should shower more. This book was written by, guess who? Jude. Gosh, you guys are so smart. Who was Jude? Hmm? He was a brother of Jesus. He was, he was, Jesus, he was James' brother, too. Um, he opens the book by saying, Jude, the brother of James, servant of Jesus. See, he didn't even count himself worthy to be a brother of Jesus. He, he called himself a servant. And he was writing to Christians about people pretending to be Christians who weren't Christians. The first 13 verses, I'm going to kind of summarize for you, okay? First two verses, he just greets them. Peace, grace, all that kind of stuff. Third verse, he says, I wanted to write to you about salvation, about something happy, but I found it necessary to contend for the faith. Verse 4 states the problem. Certain people have crept in unnoticed. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and to de denying Jesus. Guys, this is prevalent in churches all over the place. People coming in pretending to be Christians, causing dissension. It's why so many churches have so many problems. Because we're people. Verses 5 through 11. He goes Old Testament, judgment talk. He, uh, he says, he talks about the Egyptians that God killed to free his people. He talks about angels who left their authority and their dwelling and fell. He talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, did all kinds of awful things. Y'all know that story. He talks about people who rely on their dreams. There are a lot of people walking around today that still rely on dreams that are not godly. Defiling the flesh, rejecting authority, blaspheming the glorious ones. He says these people blaspheme all they do not understand. He says woe to them because they walk in the way of Cain. Cain who killed his brother Abel and Balaam. In verses 12 and 13, he describes these kind of people as hidden reefs. You know what a hidden reef is? It, it's something just beneath the waterline that can wreck you. Shepherds feeding themselves instead of the sheep. Waterless clouds, fruitless trees, From there, we're going to pick up and we're going to actually read the rest of the book, starting in verse 14. Okay? You with me? This won't take long. I don't have much of a voice, and I definitely don't have much of a voice after that song. So, I'm going to give you all I got, though. Verse 14. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict 
all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Guys, this is America today. Merry Christmas! Are you glad you came? Guys, he's talking about judgment, conviction, make them pay. That's Old Testament stuff. Okay, he's saying Enoch from the Old Testament prophesied this stuff. Okay? I'm going to get happier now. Are we ready? Verse 17. What's the first word? But. Another one of those big buts that changes the whole nature of our lives. But. I'll continue reading. You. You and you and you and you. All, all yuns, if you speak Tennessean. All of you, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about Old Testament judgment anymore. You don't, if you're in Christ, you don't live under that judgment. Whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. He came to give you life and life to the full. That's the world you live in under Christ. But you, beloved. How many of you feel beloved today? Do you? When you looked in the mirror this morning, did you say, oh, beloved? Or did you like think, oh, it's me again? You are beloved. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you this. In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. The same kind of people that are described in the Old Testament are still here. They're the people that you work with, that you, you might live with some of these people. I know you know some of these people. They're still there. We can't deny it. Verse 20. But. You. And you. And you. And you. Beloved. Again. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Verse 22, and I love this verse. And have mercy on those who doubt. Have mercy on those who are struggling. Have mercy on those who don't quite have it all together because guess what? You might be one of those people and somebody else might need to have mercy on you. Verse 23, save others 
by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. I want to just kind of break that section of this passage down for you and just bring a few things out, okay? Verses 20 and 21. It gives us tools, things that we need to do if we're going to live that kind of life. Verses 20 and 21, I'll read them again. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy that leads to eternal life. Building yourself That means not judging others for their stuff, but focusing on your stuff. Build yourself up in your own faith. How do you do it? Well, I mean, there's a lot of tools, and we try to give them to you every week. I mean, we try to give you the Word, make it applicable to your lives, but you have to take ownership of your own faith. You can't rely on Brock to give it to you. I can't rely on Randy to give it to me. I have to keep myself in the faith. Jesus said it like this, abide in me. Stay close to me. Because apart from me, you can't do anything. Keep yourself. Build yourself in the faith. Take some ownership for your own walk. Praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for the people in my lives. In my life, I have many. Um, people in my life that pray for me. There, maybe a lot of you pray for me. But the ones that I know pray for me, I'm not sure I can do it on my own. None of us. Can. We need to lift each other up, praying in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you say, I don't know what to pray. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, tell me what to pray. Show me how to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the life of someone else. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Do you see a theme here? It's like... He's, he's saying you a lot and yourself a lot. See, I think a lot of modern religion today and likely throughout all of history has been about refusing to look in the mirror but instead looking out the window. Any idea what that means? Refusing to look in the mirror and seeing yourself and taking ownership of what you see, but instead choosing to look out the window at what everyone else is doing. Jude is telling us, hey guys, if you want to live this life well, if you want to celebrate Jesus well, you've got to remember what you've been told about Him. You've got to take ownership. You've got to pray. You've got to look in the mirror instead of out the window. And sometimes, 
You just have to wait. Any impatient people in the room? Okay, this section's a bunch of liars, okay? Like two people over here are impatient. No, patience, waiting is hard, isn't it? I mean, waiting, we want it when we want it. I mean, we are a fast food generation. We are like microwave stuff. Like, if you buy something at the grocery store and it has microwave instructions and stovetop instructions, which one do you choose? Most of the time, it's the microwave. You know, it's like we don't like to wait. But he says here, wait, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. Guys, sometimes we just need to be okay with not being okay for a while. Believing that mercy is coming. Because it is. He came once. He's coming again. And when He does, He's going to make everything right. Everything. Can we be the kind of people that are willing to wait for the mercy of God to be revealed without trying to impose our will immediately. When it gets to verses 22 and 23, this is where it gets to where I said it's not about you. Verse 22, and have mercy on those who doubt. When I say the word doubt and you think about the Bible, who do you think of? Thomas. Like, he's like, I'm not going to believe unless I can, I can put my hand in, the, in, the, in his side. Um, it's bigger than that. That's one thing. I mean, there are people, all of, I mean, I doubt. There are days I think, I mean, I talk about this stuff all the time. Do I, do I really believe it today? And sometimes you just got to, you got to say, that's what faith's about. You know, we ask for signs. People throughout history have asked for signs to prove that this is real. But ultimately, it's about your faith. Keep yourself in your faith. What can people doubt about? They can doubt about anything. I mean, people doubt about morals. People doubt about lifestyles. People doubt about their professions. People doubt about relationships. Whatever it is, whatever you see people doubting about, have mercy on those people. You know what the, the opposite of mercy is? It's judgment. But mercy wins in the end. The question for us this Advent season as we start this journey towards, towards celebrating who Jesus is, is will we have mercy? Show mercy to those who doubt. Just like He shows mercy to us when we doubt about anything. What I'm saying is stop judging people. Is that, is that simple enough? I mean, we don't have the right Jude says, the brother of Jesus says, show mercy to people who doubt. 
Walk alongside them. Don't like walk around them to stay away from them thinking that their doubt is going to jump on you. Show mercy. Hmm. This, is, this next one hurts a little bit. Verse 23. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. You know what's going to happen if you try to snatch somebody out of a fire? You might get burned. It might be painful. But that's what mercy looks like. Show others mercy by snatching them out of the fire. That means sometimes we have to step into the fire or reach into the fire and be willing for it to hurt a little bit. Guys, there are some people in your lives today that you know are in that fire. And my question to us, individually and corporately, is do we want to be the kind of people that are willing to reach into that fire? To step into it if we have to, for their sake. Because it's easy to not to, as Mater said in Cars. It's easy to not to. It's easy to, to just say, it's too hard. And maybe it starts with this. Maybe we have to let go of the idea, well, it's your fault you're in the fire. You shouldn't have gotten that fire in the first place. You got yourself into it, now get yourself out of it. Anybody ever have that kind of attitude about somebody in their life? It's like, I mean, you made the bed. Lay it down. Forgive. Show mercy. Snatch him out of that fire if you can. One more point here. It's the second half of that verse. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Show mercy, but hate. Show mercy, but hate. Hate what? Hate the garment. What's a garment? This would be a garment. Okay, this is a very snazzy white stone we will quarter zip. We didn't offer these to you. We kept them for the staff. Sorry about that. But this garment is not me. What you're wearing today is not you. It's something that you put on. The sin in your life is not you. It's something that you put on that stained you. Right? It's something you put on Judah saying, show mercy to the person, but hate the sin. Show mercy to the person, but don't, you don't have to condone the sin. But love the person. To others, show mercy with fear. That means it's gonna, you're going to have to take a risk. It's hard to do this. It's not like... I mean, James 
his brother said, count it all joy when you, when you encounter that. Jude is saying, with fear. It might not feel joyful to reach into that fire, to confront that sin while loving the person. But that's the life that He's called us to. Because that's what Jesus did for you. He closes this book with one of my favorite passages. And, and, and I'm just going to... I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to say it. And then maybe I'll talk about it a little bit. What time is it? We're okay. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior, be the glory and majesty forever and ever. He closes this by saying, now to Him who is able to keep you from falling, keep you from stumbling, present you blameless, you realize that's the God we serve? You don't have to fall. Whatever it is that you think, I can't beat this. This gets me every time I trip over it. Every single time. Now, unto Him who is able to keep you, not them, keep you from falling. And one day, we sang it earlier, I stand before the throne. When you stand before the throne, you will be blameless. Not because of you. Now unto Him, God, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. It's not that He's like, His arms twisted behind His back like, like you've... He's, you're making Him do something that He doesn't want to do. He does this for you with great joy. Why? You are beloved. You're beloved. He loves you. He doesn't see you as the sum total of every mistake that you've ever made. And so, as we look at the people around us, we shouldn't see them that way. You shouldn't see that person, oh, you're just a hot mess. I mean, gosh, you've really messed it up this time. Show mercy to those who doubt. Show mercy to those who are in fire. Show mercy to those who are wearing stuff that's just, it's, it's just filthy. It's staining their souls. Verse 25. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Pray with me. Help us to be these kind of people um, that don't live under the weight of Old Testament judgment. Because you came and you delivered us from all of that. You fulfilled every part of the law. And you gave us a new way to live. 
And it's the way of love and mercy and grace. God, you're the judge. We are not. It is not our job to convict people of sin. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to show mercy to people who desperately need to experience it. You said that we're salt and we're light. You left us here to change the world. We can only do that by by impacting the people in our lives. I pray that you'd engage us in this type of living, of showing mercy, especially to those who are in seasons of doubt. Because sooner or later, if we're not there now, we will be. We need to keep ourselves close to you, abide in you. That's where joy is found. Because you've already done everything that needs to be done. The only thing left to be done is for you to return. That's what we celebrate at Advent. Let that be our focus. For the coming weeks, God, just draw us closer and closer and closer to that kind of living. And that's my prayer in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. And let's stand in worship in response.